Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon, And I'm Father Travis Crotty. Father Crotty, it is always a pleasure to be back with you, Thank you. in I the do, saddle. I do like the Father Crotty some do you? in a while. I do. Yeah. It sounds a little, well, with the Irish last name, it just kind of... Father Crotty? Right. Yeah. Father Crotty. Father Crotty. Yeah. Um, no offense to anybody who actually has an Irish accent who happens to be listening to this episode right now. Do you... Do you know what uh, county in Ireland you hail from? Well, here's what's confusing about that. Thank you for asking. Um, I believe it's County Cork, but so mm. often people came to Ellis Island and left from the port in Cork. So they said they came from County Cork. Mm. So a lot of that, but different Irish kind of maps and uh, where like family crests are from. Um, I do think the Okrati family comes from Cork. However, I was doing a quick Google search and learned there's a Crotty pub and a Crotty coffee shop on the western coast of Ireland. Oh. So there's Crotty's around. Um, I think a Cork. pilgrimage to both counties is in order. Listen, I know. So yeah, Father pack David your es- bags. Yeah, Father David Escano in our diocese has some connections in Cork of all places with mm. a pastor that he spent some time with. So I'm hoping to make that happen. Good for you. That'd be great. Uh, Where's Demon from? I mean, besides the, North, it's, of, the pits well, of hell. From what I... Demons are from. <laughs> Just kidding. I, so people say that all the time. You, you go... Often you go by Father Shane because your last name can be misconstrued as... Demon. Uh, demon. Yeah. Um, with an O. But um, I don't even think about that. I, no, I know. Do you get that all the time, I'm sure? Yeah. I've gotten it since second grade. You should be a priest. You could be Father Demon. Um, I go that by... Fa- I go. how you heard your vocational call. Yeah, right. I go by Father Shane because, like, my first major parish assignment was in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and that particular community has a local custom of calling all priests by their first names. Father first name. Yeah. I didn't grow up with that in Sioux City. It was always Father last name. Right. Uh, So I always found that to be weird. But then when I got there, everyone was calling me Father Shane, and I didn't seem to be able to turn back the tide. So that's just what I go with. Um to the best of my knowledge, uh, Demon is from Northern Germany. Oh, okay. yeah, very good. How would you say it with a German accent? You've studied some German in your day. Yeah, I think it's the same. Oh, um, but there there might have been a changing in the spelling. Sure, I mean it might have been D A E M O N. We're not quite oh, sure. sure. Okay, very good. Not quite sure. So, um, I want to do a quick shout out to Father John Neppel, who was on oh about four or five episodes ago. We were recording that episode called skeptical orthodoxy uh he and i were together up in estes park in the rocky mountains um god bless him he he reposted our episode on the catholic stuff you should know podcast facebook page that's great we typically get uh, about 600 downloads a week um i've checked uh, the recent stats after he posted i i didn't well i didn't actually go check them i got an email from um our distributing webpage that said that particular week we got 1,450 downloads. Well, that's excellent. <laughs> well, and listen to this. This You know what helped? They have not been releasing episodes over the summer. No, they're just reposting old episodes. Right, so people yeah, probably yeah. jumped on that to hear something fresh. Yeah, so I got to say. All of was, our listeners from Catholic Stuff You Should Know, welcome to Outcast Yeah, if Catholic. you're here, if you're staying for another couple of weeks, welcome. We might lose them. Hold on. Oh, yeah, stay. Stay with us. Um, what I've been in, what I, honestly, I had like a little bit moment of being starstruck because 
I have, in fact, been listening to Catholic Stuff You Should Know uh-huh. for many a moon when I was in college seminary, I started. And the funny thing was when I, I was even in Denver for a year and never got to meet Father John. Really? And I still have not got to meet the man. I'm sorry. So he's sort of like on my podcast. But <laughs> him, so this is where I was a little starstruck. And I was like, oh, he said my name. What a fangirl. So, right, I really was. Because he, he mentioned me by name at one point. I'm like, oh. And it was, so it was like a weird shout out of like he was shouting me out on my own podcast. That you still haven't um, met him. And I still haven't met the guy. He was so. sitting in your chair that night. He was. And it's funny because I got all these friends who know him. So Father John and I need to hang out soon. Well, um, if we have any listeners from uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, welcome to Outcast Catholic. We have always said we're not trying to compete with other Catholic podcasts. We've always said we're not interested in being national celebrities. If we can reach a few listeners in the Midwest and speak to their church realities, great. And the Holy Spirit. stuff you should know, friends, you're going to want to share this episode with your other friends because sure, might as well. Why not? Great. Um, Father Travis. Father Shane. I have completed 10 years of high school ministry. I know you are a high school chaplain. And anytime I go do young adult ministry, anytime I'm speaking publicly like at a Theology on Tap session, uh, anytime I'm doing a Q&A with teenagers, youth groups, confirmation classes, the, the question that always immediately comes up, and I know you've gotten this question before, is why does the church hate gays? Absolutely. Why do you hate gays? Why do you hate gays? This is just constant. And it, it just makes you wonder. I wonder if it's even just demonic in terms of its um, kind of how widespread. Insidiousness. Yeah. yeah, how widespread this notion is, which doesn't have authentic roots in the truth. Mm-hmm. But yet it's just so widespread. Um, why do you hate, you know... Uh, why do you hate the LGBTQ communities? What do you have against us? And more so, the, and then the step of why do you hate me because I'm gay? Or my cousin or my yeah. uncle or whomever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A sibling. I have spent more time trying to address this with charity, authenticity, and truth. Uh, and some days you just wonder, am I making any headway on this topic? Right. Uh, but it's a very important topic. And to any of our listeners who experience same-sex attraction, any of our listeners who are contemplating or who do identify with the LGBTQ community. Or who have family members who are yeah. in that community as well. Yeah, please know you are most welcome not only as part of this podcast family, but as part of the church as well and the community <laughs> and of believers. And we very much don't hate you. Yes, I don't know how to say that any more clearly. Yeah. You are not hated, you are loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that's not the reality that people experience when they listen to the church's teachings. So helpful or encounter Christians. Right. Um, yeah, that is what their experience is, what their lived reality is. That's what they feel. Right. It's that they're hated. Right. right. Um, or perhaps there's a, there's a misconception about what the church is actually there for mm-hmm. and how the church wants to embrace them. Or perhaps they've actually just put up blinders to say, well, I, I will only allow myself to feel accepted by the church or any Christian community, or any religious body, if they meet my parameters. Right. Um, and so th- there could be a little bit of resistance there, mm-hmm. perhaps you know, from Christians or perhaps from you know, other folks. So we want to speak into that. Yeah. And we want to recognize that there are people who feel quite outcast and uh, who feel quite discriminated against. Uh, they might feel unjustly discriminated against. Um, and, to, and to recognize that this is a very important topic for our day and age, and it cannot go unaddressed. Absolutely. If not some of the most outcast in the, in the church and in the world right now mm-hmm. are those who experience same attraction, who identify with the LGBTQ community. Right. Um, 
let's start off with some basics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are people out there, you and I have been referring to, you know, someone who experiences same-sex attraction. Helpful language. Very helpful language, very intentional language. And there are people who will balk at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have pe- I've had people kind of get aggressive with me to say, uh, why, why are you saying that to me? You know, why don't you call me gay? Why don't you call me lesbian? Why don't you call me, you know, transgender, whatever? And uh, I'll push back and I'll say, no, uh, I will not reduce you in your identity as a beloved son and daughter of God, uh, as a baptized Christian, I am not going to reduce you to your sexual you know, uh, orientation. Experience. Yeah. Right. Um, that's actually very, very um, uh, limiting. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, I think it's quite discriminatory to do that. Uh, I think that's something that the LGBTQ community does a disservice to itself mm. uh, to put such a label on its own community members in a way that really reduces their identity just to one aspect of their whole personhood. Um, you know, psychologists do not do this. Psychologists will not say that's a suicide. No, that is a beloved child of God who may have committed suicide. Or who died from suicide. Right. Is even- that is not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That is a beloved child of God who may have experienced alcoholic, alcoholic symptoms in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a big thing in education right now is that is not a disabled person. Right. That is a person who experiences disability, some sort of disability, learning disability growth, whatever it might be. Right. So I, I don't care how people want to get, uh, how, how aggressive they might want to get. The church is going to stay steadfast and not allowing anyone to reduce their identity to sexual orientation mm-hmm. or sexual experience. Um, and I, I think this comes out very clearly in the confessional too, Right. It doesn't matter whether you're homosexual, heterosexual, whatever your past experiences would be. Uh, when someone wants to come and be redeemed by God's mercy in the confessional, we see them as so much more than just the, the summation of their mistakes or their shortcomings, yeah. right? You walk out of the confessional with a renewal, uh, a renewal as if you were five years old again in God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so labels, labels mean something, mm-hmm. and they can be very um, reju- reductionist towards the dignity of the human person. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very, very careful about that. We also have to recognize that everyone is just uh, called to the general uh, and really heroic task of holiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have had parishioners with same-sex attraction who have led incredibly heroic, loving, fulfilled lives. They give themselves very generously to their local parish, their local civic community, to their extended family members and friends. They have a wide gift of talents to offer everybody. And they're, they're perhaps carrying a cross. Um, you know, it's not a cross that I would wish upon anybody. I've done counseling with people with same-sex attraction. I've done counseling with people who are experiencing gender dysphoria. These are heavy, heavy crosses to bear. There's lots of confusion, lots of voices coming at them. They might feel rejected from family members and friends. They might not know where their place is in the local Christian community. These can be very heavy crosses to bear. Uh, and so my heart really goes out to them, as I know yours does as well, Father. Absolutely. And just to, yeah, to know that you're not hated, to know that you're not loved. For those, You are loved. Yes, you are loved. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. It's late at night, folks. I was thinking of the next thought in my mind, and that was <laughs> unfortunate that I said that. That's all right. You're quite loved uh, and not hated at all. What I was thinking, though, is it's important for those of us who experience any, I mean, we experience attractions in our lives 
through our bodies, through our minds, through our souls all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's helpful sometimes to look at it objectively to say, well, what what is an attraction? And do do attractions that I experience through my mind, body, and soul, does that define my identity? I'm an attraction that I have mm-hmm. or an experience that I've had. Um, and I think that's across the board. It's true that that does not define our identity. Right. Um, a helpful little pithy, you know, expression is that our, um, our identity is based on our relationship as sons and daughters created in the image and likeness of God, redeemed through Jesus Christ, through our baptism. That identity then produces our mission, our activity, our experiences in the world. We're not defined by what we do or what we don't do. We're defined by whose we are exactly. in our relationships. Right? Well that's, said. that's where our identity comes from. But there's all sorts of attractions we have that are rightly ordered or are not rightly ordered. I think what's helpful is sometimes to bring it back on a, on a human level to like food uh, and of our body. We have lots of different attractions toward things. I mean, some of those are very clearly ordered to our good. Some of those are not ordered to our good. And that can sound really insincere. And that's where a lot of the feelings of hate can come about. Um, if that, if that comment is made that an attraction might be for our good or might not be for our good, um, or an experience might be good or might be bad. Well, Father, who are you to tell me, you know, says that audience member, right? Who are you to tell me uh, where my attractions are good or bad? Mm-hmm. Father, you just said that my deepest level of relationship and identity comes from whose I am. Right. So for the audience member who says to you, Father Karate, well, I believe that I belong to my lesbian partner or my mm-hmm. gay partner. There's a whose uh, relationship that's binding us right. in communion. So who are you to tell me that that's not natural? Mm, that's a good, great question. And these are great questions of anthropology, right. an understanding of what it is to be man and woman. That's deeper than our experiences. And I think that's what's helpful and that's what's clear that's lacking in our, our contemporary culture is an understanding of anthropology. Not anthropology of just looking back at archaeological data and seeing what, what is the study of kind of human progress over the years and making arrowheads and weapons and something. But an anthropology that I think that's really helpful in the church right now is that what John Paul II brought about through the theology of the body. And it'd be really fun and beautiful to hash that all out. Well, John Paul II, through his uh, preached kind of sermons and teachings in St. Peter's Square over a few number of years, he went back to this understanding of who are we as human beings, as man and woman, and he said that we're created in the image and likeness of God. Well, if we look at ourselves as man and woman, we're created as this these complementary sex in the image of God. So that means as we live out our humanity insofar as we've been created— we, we mirror God in the world. And I think what's really powerful to see is that our capacity as man and woman, our complementarity of these different genders, it, it interacts with God's um, creating ability, that he shared his power to create with us. Because um, Genesis isn't over. Right. right? The, the act of creation is still going on. As instruments then of God, right. men and women. And then, of course, the audience member is going to push back and say, okay, but not even all heterosexual couples have children or can have children. Right. So being made in God's image and likeness of uh, being made in the image and likeness of God can't just simply be generativity in terms of one's biology and just producing babies, right? Correct. 
that's where the beautiful growth and development of the church's understanding and teaching of human sexuality is to say this, that marriage has a twofold good. It's the procreative and the unitive purpose and end and goal of man and woman coming together in love, mind, body, and soul coming together in love, that they come together. And that's the only place that human beings can come about (laughs) is in the embrace of man and woman and praise God, hopefully in marriage Mm -hmm. and a lifelong commitment of uh, free, total, faithful and fruitful love. But then it's also at the same time, not after, not before um, it's the unity of, of two people, body, mind, and soul. Um, and while there's possibility for lots of different types of love in our relationships with different people, um, between brother priests, between friends, between different people, the love that's possible, mind, body, soul, through the complementarity of a man and a woman um, is only possible in that context. Which also gets extended to the beautiful complementarity of the feminine and masculine genius that is present in a household when raising children mm-hmm. as well. I want to say a beautiful line that uh, Dr. Feingold at Kenrick would often say, mm-hmm. because there's been so much focus on this equality between men and women that it's become an egalitarianism that, that has rejected in some ways the, the unique uh, and beautiful complementarity of what different things they bring, bring to the table. And he said, while with women there is a heartship of the home, with men there is the headship. Um, one is not over the other, but there's a capacity of masculine and feminine uh, leadership, um, teaching and growth within a family that complements each other, a headship and a heartship. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Feinkel. That's beautiful. That's very wonderful. Yeah. There's a couple more things that we want to talk about here. In addition to the church's anthropological vision of the complementarity of men and women made in the image and likeness of God, our creator. We also have to understand, folks, uh, for any of our listeners, if, if you yourself are experiencing same-sex attra- attractions or gender dysphoria, if you have family members who have experienced this, loved ones and friends, um, you know, just sharing a little bit about my 13 years of priestly ministry, I have journeyed and walked with people who are still trying to figure out their sexual identity even into their 20s or beyond. Um, for any of our listeners who might have experienced trauma, sexual abuse as a child, uh, physical and verbal abuse, neglect, neglect, uh, abandonment. Just the experience of divorce. The experience of divorce. Some of these things can radically alter how, view, how one views their own sex or the opposite sex. Yeah. Um, I have worked with people who experience uh, tremendous shame about their own body. Um, and that yeah. when, when you really press them and you say, uh, well, are you really interested when, when they start to have some, some questions or some confusion about their sexual identity and you say, okay, are you really interested in an exclusive relationship with someone of the same sex? Are you really interested in, in sexual activity with someone of the same sex? When you, when you can really start to press someone, uh, some of them will acknowledge, no, uh, I'm very fascinated with my own sex because of my woundedness or my lack of acceptance of my own body, my own personality, and I might be looking for someone else to perhaps make up for or, or speak into the woundedness or my perceived uh, you know, misgivings mm-hmm. uh, of my own life as I perceive that. Um, and, and, and along with those different areas of woundedness or brokenness in life that we have all experienced in different capacities, 
where might have um, pornography entered the picture at some point right. um, at a very young informative age that has skewed what um, what human love can be right. and what, what um, sexuality within marriage looks like right. in such a pornographic culture that's so saturated with that. Now. Right. Yeah. So in fairness, it's, it's not the church's job to define how same-sex attraction comes about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the scientific community is still working on that. There is widespread disagreement about, you know, is this something that's genetic? Does it come about in one's environment? Could that be a mixture of multiple factors? Um, that's really, you know, the job of scientific, scientific professionals. But what the church can say with definitive clarity that we are made in God's image and likeness, the complementarity of men and women is part of God's, you know, beautiful design, and that the church wants everybody, regardless of their sexual identity, to be part of the body of Christ, to embrace the great call of holiness, uh, to build up the community of believers who wants to pray, praise and pray towards God and receive his grace and his mercy in return, and ideally all reign as glorious saints with, with the angels in heaven, seeing the Trinity face to face. That mission is for all of us. And especially if you are someone who has experienced trauma, uh, anyone who is, is really struggling with same-sex attraction, wanting to know where is my place, how do I pursue Christian holiness, how do I, how do I sift through all the voices coming at me in the media and in the, perhaps the LGBTQ community and what my you know, faith formation t- teacher taught me as a child, what my family's telling me, how do I sift through all of this? Please know you are most welcome in the church. You are not outcast. You are not hated. You, you are, are not very hated. loved. You're very loved. And we want you. Mm-hmm. We want you part of the community. We want you speaking of your experiences. Uh, we want you, you know, building up others through your own gifts and talents and your own experiences. We want you to share your story, and we want you to be part of our story. And we, as your, as your spiritual fathers... We want to walk with you right. in these experiences um, as we want to walk with all baptized Christians who have a desire to grow closer to Jesus. Absolutely. So this is a topic that I'm sure we'll come back to in various aspects, Most definitely. other nuances, um, but we're going to keep praying for all of our listeners. Hopefully this has just been a, a helpful little uh, intro uh, to you know broader issues regarding sexuality in the church. But Father Travis, thanks for your insights. It's always good being with you. Likewise. And everybody, as usual, send us your thoughts on this topic and on other topics. And we look toward seeing you soon on the air. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time. And God bless.